for your Saturday morning coffee with Reese Boys. Reese Boyd is on right now. Talk 94.5. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. I am... Reese Boyd, your host. Welcome to the show. When I'm not on the radio, I'm also a practicing attorney here in Myrtle Beach with the firm of Davis and Boyd, attorneys at law. But on Saturday mornings, I am your host for a two-hour expedition into the crazy world around us, hopefully uh, with a little broadcast excellence uh, thrown in to the mix. It is 7.08 on your Saturday morning, Saturday, January 9. Again, welcome Uh, to the show at Saturday Morning Coffee. As always, we invite you to sit down, pour yourself a cup of your favorite coffee, and join us as we talk about the news, current events, all the crazy, crazy things happening in the world around us, all the things that we think uh, you need to know. Here at Saturday Morning Coffee, we're all about small, limited constitutional government, which is uh, something we all need to be aware of and conscious of these days because it's going to become an increasingly valuable commodity, I'm afraid. Um, We love smaller, limited constitutional government because that means more freedom for you and me, all of us who are we, the people. We've got a country to save if we can, and uh, now more than ever that's true, and it starts right here on the local level, and uh, we'll build it up from there. Uh, Very concerned about what's going on in the world, but uh, all hope is not lost, folks. All, ultimately, as I have said many times on this show, I will repeat again uh, this morning, uh, ultimately my hope is in Christ and in my eternal Father. And so as crazy as the world may get, I'm not worried. And I invite you to uh, uh, join me in that same peace if you don't have it. And uh, call me anytime you want to talk about that. But uh, the world around us is crazy. But uh, it's not lost, and we have to keep the faith. So I uh, invite you guys to join the show. Um, joined here in the studio, as always, by producer extraordinaire, Dr. Glenn Dye. Dr. Dye, how are you, <laughs> you doing this morning? You know, you catch me with coffee in my mouth almost every week. Every week Just I do as that I'm taking you. a sip, Sorry. you're... I'm, I'm looking down. I'm looking at my show notes, and uh, I'll uh, I'll try to make a I'll try to make eye contact. Well, I am drinking the f- uh, fabulous coffee from Africa that I Africa. was given by RB3 yes. for my uh, for yes. Christmas. Your humble host. Yes. Is it good? It's excellent. Bold, kind of mild. It's what a, is it? I to- I chose bold right. on everything. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. You you like it a little stronger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very good. Very good. How's Carol like it? Every, very very well. Everybody's happy with coffee. Okay, that is the worldwide. Uh, by the way, I've I've talked to them. They're thinking about coming on the show as a sponsor. I've sent them a couple of uh, communications. So that'd they, be cool. They, they made the uh, uh, the coffee club that Glenn is referring to. Maybe sending us some some sample packs to give out to you guys. Some sample memberships. There, uh, we had a conversation with them. They were interested in the idea. So maybe you guys will get uh, to sample the same club, the coffee club. It's an interesting idea. You get a 
every month or so you get a new sample of coffee from around the world. And a pound. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a it good stuff. Um, and so they may be coming on board. We'll see how that goes. But anyway, welcome to the show. I uh, also invite you guys to join the program. You can reach us on the call-in line. That number is 843-903-2945. You can also... Text us your comments. The PCRXcomputers.com text line is 843-798-TALK. That is 798-8255 for those of you who uh, can't do the translation. The Twitter handle for the show, while I still have one, <laughs> yeah. which this is going to be short-lived. If y'all want to tweet me, folks, you better, you better get out the, uh, the uh, BlackBerry and start tweeting away because this is going away. Let the me clout just... looks like the only one now that... It's maybe trusted clout. Well, it's very interesting. You know, we have Parler and yeah. at RB3 on Parler, not RB3, at Reese Boyd 3 on Parler. So you can uh, parlay me there. But, yeah, I think the Twitter handle is going away. I, I'm not going to be tweeting. We'll be talking about Twitter during the show today. But, of course, Twitter has suspended uh, the president. Uh, indefinitely. Indefinitely. Canceled they, canceled canceled. They, canceled. Yeah, they've not suspended him. They, Forget they, how many followers they have. Had, uh, like they have destroyed his... 88 million, yeah, I think. It's, in, it's insane. And uh, it's one of the biggest issues, I think, that we face at the moment. But yeah, so you can tweet me at the moment if you want to tweet me. Get a tweet in before the Twitter handle goes away. At Reese Boyd is the Twitter handle. Uh, but I am seriously considering just getting off Twitter altogether. Um, the email address for the show... Uh, for now, again, is SMC at gmail.com. Many of you have called me during or, or ordinary hours. Not everybody's up for a conversation at 7 o'clock on Saturday morning, and I get that. We uh, enjoy those of you who just like to listen uh, because we hear from many of you later. Many of you have called me uh, during the week at the offices of Boy Davis and Boyd. That number is 843-839-9800. Invite you to call me anytime. Always love to hear from you guys. Got, many of you gotten to be friends. It's a, it's a great uh, thing. Love to hear from you. And, um, you know, it's a, as I've said many times on the show, getting to know you guys has been part of the experience, and it's been wonderful over these last uh, year and a half, two years, however long we've been doing the show. We're not to two years yet, are we? We're at about 18 months, I think. Yeah. But, uh, anyway, we um, enjoy, en- always enjoy hearing from you, whether it's on the air or uh, at the offices uh, during the week. And, again, the office number is 843-839-9800. So let us know how you guys are doing. I know it's been a tough week, um, to, to put it mildly. Um, and uh, we've already got a few of you checking in uh, this morning. Will down at Coastal Sports. Will, uh, good morning. Always can count on Will on Saturday mornings. Will's got a got a, an early riser, and always can count on him. Uh, Bob coming in on the uh, PCRX Computers uh, Computers dot com text line. Good morning, Bob. How are you doing? I can't tell. I see one from Tim, the car detail guy. Can't tell if that's today or not. But uh, good morning, guys. Welcome to the show. It is a difficult uh difficult week that we are capping off here today uh to put it mildly it has been one of the uh, most difficult weeks i think um, as far as the news goes in in not just recent memory i would say in my lifetime um and my heart is burdened uh, today no no doubt about it my heart is burdened i think january 6 i think wednesday will go down as uh, one of the dark days in American history, of course, everybody knows, uh, generally speaking, what happened. Um, but I'm extremely uh, concerned about it, and we've got a, 
a lot to talk about, a lot to unpack. We'll get to that. Got a few guests coming up on the show a little bit later in the program. We'll be talking to Representative Russell Fry. We'll be talking to him about the events of the week. Um, we'll be talking to uh, uh, Jared Dillion of the Jared Dillion Show. Got some interesting questions for Jared. I think you guys will enjoy that. And we'll be talking to uh, Chris Poyette with the Convention of States Project. So stick with us. Got a great show coming up. I'm Maurice Boyd. That's Glenn Dye. This is Saturday Morning Coffee. Stick with us. Don't leave town. Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour, is now two full hours. More Reese coming up next on Talk 94.5. Goldfinch Funeral Home is committed to the safety of the families they serve as well as their staff. During these trying times, they are taking precautions based on CDC guidelines. All five locations will remain open and functioning. For larger services, they are offering special options, such as live streaming. With 115 years of service, Goldfinch would like you to know they are here to help you through difficult times. More information can be found at goldfinchfuneralhome.com. Hey, everybody, it's Reese Boyd, your host for Saturday Morning Coffee, talking with Greg Sisson. Greg is the principal at the Greg Sisson Team Remax First Choice Real Estate. How long have you been in the real estate business? I started in real estate full-time in 1997, and our company is is really structured where we can serve the client at a high level. So we've really streamlined it to make it simple and easy for our clients. Our market is red hot. Kind of the perfect storm for home sellers right now in the Grand Strand. Greg, if folks want to get in touch with you at your office, how can they do that? Really, my cell phone is the best way. It's 843-251-2693. And then our website is gregsisson.com. Check us out there as well. If you are a seller today and you're thinking about it, it, it would make sense to give me a call. Remax First Choice, the Greg Sisson team, real estate experts here in Myrtle Beach, ready to help you with your real estate needs. Here's Richie and Marty from One Hour Heating and Air. Well, folks, we finally made it. Yep. Goodbye, 2020. Hello, 2021. At One Hour Heating and Air, we want to kick off a whole new fresh year by offering you a whole new fresh life. Well, that may be an exaggeration. No, it's not. We're talking about giving them a whole new heating and air system for their home. Exactly. When you feel the difference your new system makes, your comfort definitely goes up. It feels like a whole new home. And your monthly energy bills drop. It's a beautiful thing, especially since we're offering the greatest deal on a new 18-seer system on the planet. Yeah, uh, maybe a little too good. I mean, an 18-seer system for the price of a 14-seer? Well, everyone likes the 18-seer the best. Aren't we losing money on this? I got a great deal from the manufacturer. It just seems too good to be true. Well, it is true. Happy New Year. Go online to OneHourMagic.com. Are you missing those date nights? Picnics in the park and outdoor dining? Then I have a dining experience just for you. Crepe Creation Cafe on DeVille Street in the Market Common. Enjoy casual indoor and outdoor dining, takeout, and curbside delivery. Larry and the chef at Crepe Creation Cafe create unique, healthy, and absolutely delicious recipes just for you. Crepe Creation Cafe in the Market Common. Open seven days a week. Sweet and savory for breakfast, lunch, dinner and dessert visit crepecreation.com you're listening to the reese boyd radio hour saturday morning coffee on talk 94.5 
In a cave below the ground, way down, it's cold and it's dark. But it knows his way around, and the mazes of the underground are no match for him. But it looks just like a traveler who hasn't showered in a while and been living in the ground. Milo is your best friend. He's your second cousin. All roads lead to he's the rising sun. Milo is a long, long way from home yet. Milo is a name you won't forget. Milo, I haven't met. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. It is 7.20 on your Saturday morning, Saturday, January 9, 2021. Welcome back to the show. Already got a couple of you checking in uh, on the uh, PCRXcomputers.com text line. Uh, Albert checking in. Good morning, Albert. Albert says, uh, good morning. I think uh, Lindsey Graham, Tom Rice, Tim Scott, and the rest of them can all... Go down to where the sun never shines, never again. Uh, Albert, that's a, you know, that's a, I knew you guys were going to be lighting it up this morning, and I appreciate the, uh, I appreciate the text. Uh, you know, it's a difficult situation, folks, and, and I'm going to be dispensing some truth uh, this morning. You know, it's, uh, it, it is Saturday morning coffee, after all, so one of our subtitles here on the show is Wake Up and Smell the Coffee, and uh, we got to talk about some of the things that possibly we aren't all going to agree on. But uh, it, is, uh, it is definitely a time for us to, I think, uh, do our best to pull together. But I'll get to that. Also got uh, Tom from Merle's Inlet. Let's go ahead and open up uh, the phone lines, Glenn. Tom's already dialed in. I knew you guys were going to light it up this morning. It's been one of those weeks. Tom, good morning. How are you doing? Good morning. I've been better, but good. Good. What's I on your mind? Your crystal ball. How do you see things uh, three months, six months, a year? Uh. You know, I um, you know, it's a tough one, Tom. I was gonna get to this later in the show, but I'll, I'll let's go ahead and crack that nut. You know, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough sledding for a while. Um, the events of the last few weeks have not um, been helpful, and certainly the events of this week have been not only not helpful, they've been disastrous. Um, you know, it, the, the great irony in all this, um, the great irony in all this is let's be real frank. And again, I'm I'm gonna just be I'm just gonna tell truth. You know, you guys always hear me talk about truth and the importance of truth, and I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. I'm just going to call it like I see it. Um, you know, the irony of Wednesday is some of President Trump's most ardent supporters have done the most damage to his legacy, you know, and to where we go from here made it more difficult. Think about this, Tom. In my, in my estimation, a week ago, Joe Biden really didn't have much of a mandate to come out of his basement. He didn't have any kind of mandate to govern, and he certainly didn't have a mandate for sweeping reforms. He was barely holding on to the claim to the office with, a, you know, with some level of a, a ability to keep a straight face with the, uh, you know, with the, with the, all the claims that the uh, irregularities in the election and the various things that we all know about by now. And so, but look at it now. Where are we now? He has something of a mandate to govern. They, they are not, not only does he have something of a mandate to govern, they're more than likely going to wind up impeaching Trump. That's the, the real incredible situation that we're now in. 
Uh, Trump will likely become the first president to be impeached twice. And I'm, I'm really just kind of astonished at where we are. But how you can look at any of this and see anything positive is, uh, is, is a real challenge. And it is, it, is really, uh, it is really a difficult time. So it's hard to say exactly where we're going to be uh, uh, three months from now. But it's not going to be easy. But what I would say is we all have to keep the faith. And I think we have to fall back on our core principles. Um, this is no longer uh, just about, um, you know, Donald Trump. This is no longer just about the presidency. This is, this is now about the republic. This is now about preserving the republic, preserving constitutional government, and preserving our freedom. So we fall back on the constitutional uh, rights that we know we enjoy that cannot be taken away. Um, and we look to those principles that should guide us uh, in our founding principles. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And frankly, we've got to be willing to stand up for those rights. And we've got to be willing. That's a, and I say these words loosely, but deliberately, it's a hill we've got to be prepared to die on. I mean, it's, it, that's where we are. And, and we, but we keep the faith and we don't lose hope. And that gives me confidence. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be tough. I now, frankly, am a one-issue voter, Tom. Where we, I think where we are now is I've become a one-issue voter. We, we have got to restore the integrity of the ballot box. Um, what about the stifling of free speech, Greece. Well, that's going to be a problem, certainly, but we've got to restore the integrity of the ballot box, and and we've got to get back to a point where we can trust our elections because nobody trusts the results of the 2020 election. And it's going to be, so we've got to get back to a point where we can have a paper ballot and and we know that we can trust the election and that's going to require us that's going to require us to go to the polls and vote in person and get rid of all this mail-in balloting and and go back to an election day not an election month and you're going to have to present your photo id and you're going to have to be qualified to vote you're going to have to be a legal voter and we're going to have to implement reasonable steps to make sure all those things happen so we can trust the results of our elections we don't need to 20, November 2020 never needs to happen again because I don't think we can survive many more election cycles where this is the kind of election that we have. So we've got to figure out a way to make that happen, and we may have to make it happen at the state level. I'm not really sure, but because the, we, the, the Democrats now have the White House, the Senate, and the House, um, we're in for some very tough sledding. And as you, ale- as you already alluded, the crackdown is already happening. Um, you know, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to talk about tech in the show today, Tom, but now that the Democrats are in power, look what's already happened. You, you already see the crackdown on free speech occurring. And so, you know, and, and I would submit to you, I mean, there, we can certainly talk, spend much time talking about why Wednesday happened, why the crowd got out of control, why things wound up evolving the way they did. But frankly, the the um, one of the things that's happening now, and it's been happening, and I think it's accelerating. But one of the things that's happening is people are having their voices stifled. People are being throttled. I've been throttled um, on social media, 
And you, you hear people say, well, I'm in Facebook jail. People are being dismissed. They're being told that their opinions don't matter. And or hate. Yeah, or you're being labeled a hater or a bigot or a racist. And, yeah. and, and these, things are being, these things are being thrown around so loosely and people are being dismissed. And I think somebody said we were, we obviously like so many of us, we were analyzing this week. How did this happen? How did this get out of control? Speaking of the rally at the Capitol. And I think that's one of the interesting questions. And we have to sort that out. And, and we'll be talking about that at length today. Um, okay. Or at least it's on the agenda. But, but the, the, the crackdown on speech is already happening. I'm, you know, my fear is that things like Wednesday happen when you don't give people an outlet, when there is no free speech, when you don't give people an opportunity to voice their uh, political opinions, their thoughts, their preferences, that's when all that energy gets bottled up. And that is when, that's when violence happens. That's when people resort to violence, when they don't feel like the political dialogue works that when they don't feel like the public square works that's when some people will will be tempted to resort to violence and look i mean you know speaking of twitter and parlor apple is moving to 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 pull parlor off of their app store google play has already suspended parlor as of last night I, i learned this because frankly twitter is now engaging in overt censorship of its platform and and now Apple and Google, Google pulled Parler. Apple is looking to pull Parler. And they're saying, if, if you don't join us in censoring your content, then we're going to pull you off the app stores. And if they're not on the app stores, nobody's going to get the app. And it's going to be a, it's the end of Parler before they even really get off the ground. By the way, they've had a surge in membership since uh, Twitter did the things that it did this week. Of course, Twitter, for its part, suspended the account of the president indefinitely, and then they just deleted it. And, uh, and, and of course, you know, it's okay for the Ayatollah, the supreme leader of Iran, or various members, high-ranking members of the Chinese Communist Party, they can have Twitter accounts. But, the, but Donald J. Trump cannot have a Twitter account. So that tells you, I mean, that's where we are. And these people are extremely powerful, and we live in an age where... The president of Twitter, the CEO of Twitter, Jack Dorsey, Jeff Bezos, the CEO of Amazon, by the way, also Amazon threatening to pull their server farm, uh, the use, the, the right that Parler, Parler relies on Amazon uh, AWS, Amazon Web Services, for their, uh, you know, to host their service. Amazon's threatening to, to pull that contract. And of course, without that service, Parler doesn't work. And so all these people, they think they're more powerful than the president. And frankly, in some, in, in many ways they are. And, yeah. and, and that's frightening because they don't think like you and I, and they're not limited by the constitution uh, that much, you know, we, we know, but the question becomes, what do we do about it? But yeah, it's extremely, it's extremely concerning. Uh, we're in very dangerous uh, territory, and and I'm not exactly sure uh, what the next few months are going to look like. I think Biden and uh, I think they've learned from the past that they're going to move aggressively to implement a very liberal agenda. You're going to see tax hikes, and it's not going to be pretty. And, and and my only hope is I keep coming back to this on the show. Freedom is a stubborn thing, and I know people, you know, we're very frustrated right now. A lot of us are very angry. I'm hurt. I feel betrayed 
by people, by certain people. I feel like some people told us things that just weren't true and they led us down a path. Um, and of course I'm going to say this, I've been, I've been pretty well, uh, pretty well successful since about November seven of predicting where this was going to go. So a lot of people out there, I didn't listen to, but there's been a lot of people out there that did listen. And so I, I, I assume that's a reference to the Kraken community. Yeah, in part, but not exclusively. But, uh, okay. but you know, it, it's just a, it's, it's very, I think it's very difficult to see. Things are so tumultuous, but I think you're going to see uh, Biden come out with a very, like I said, a week ago, he didn't have a mandate. Now, look at where he is. Yeah. So his, uh, his, his quiver is full of uh, arrows now. You're absolutely right. So I think I think the history has taught them that they have to move quick. And uh, and I think, you know, what really frightens me, Tom, thinking a little bit downstream, is the idea that I don't think Biden's going to be around very long. And then you're going to be looking at the triumvirate oh boy. of uh, Kamala Harris, Nancy Pelosi, and Chuck Schumer. And, uh, you know, oh and, and that's, uh, that's a little frightening. But, look, keep the faith and uh, keep listening and... We're going to get through this. Don't lose hope. You know, revolutions are built on hope. So, yeah. Hang in there. Folks, we got to take a break. Thank you, Rudy. Tom, hang in there. Good to talk to you. As always, folks, stick with us. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsors with more Saturday morning coffee. I'm Reese Boyd. Don't leave town. He's a quantum physicist. He's a molecular biologist. He's not in it for the money. He's a nice guy. Text us, 843-798-TALK. Saturday morning coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk 94.5. Here's Tony Zach from Mr. Sparky. It's a great time to check your smoke detector batteries. If you need any help with that, definitely give us a call or just Google Mr. Sparky. We'll pop right up. And we can also change your smoke detectors out. The manufacturer recommends that they get changed out every 10 years at a minimum. Smoke detectors are really the cheapest life insurance you can buy. You should have a smoke detector in each bedroom, outside of each bedroom in a common area, and throughout the home. If you're in need of additional smoke detectors, they actually make wireless smoke detectors now as well. If you're lacking some smoke detectors and you want us to take a look and see where we need to add them additionally, we can now do that wirelessly so that you don't have a big project going on in your home. We just need to have one hardwired and we can do the rest from there. Reach out to Tony Zach at Mr. Sparky Myrtle Beach SC.com. Happy New Year from Seaside Furniture Gallery and Accents. Your Grand Strand Furniture Store is ringing in the new year with all in-store furniture items discounted from 15 to 50% off our everyday low pricing. And with the largest selection of lamps, pictures, and accessories on the Grand Strand, you'll save more at 40% off our everyday low pricing. And our clearance items have been drastically reduced for cash and carry. Hurry in. Our New Year sales event won't last long. It ends January 31st. Seaside is located in the heart of North Myrtle Beach at 527 Highway 17 North. Open seven days a week, Monday through Saturday, 9 to 6, and Sunday, 1 to 5. Seaside Furniture Gallery and Accents. We love our customers. Hey guys, this is Kimberly Elko with Elko Spas, Billiards, and Pools. We're still open. Come in and see us. We're back to normal hours, 9 to 6 during the week on Saturdays till 5 o'clock. So the Elko Showroom is, uh, we've been here for over 33 years, and the showroom is newly remodeled. So we have pool tables, we have foosball tables, we have shuffleboard tables, and you can actually play on them. We have hot tubs that you can sit in with water, without water. We have all different games. So if you do have family coming down, we got cornhole, we got mini pool tables, we 
got chests, we got backgammon, we got walls and walls of dart supplies and darts and cues, which are pull sticks, pull bags, and pull player accessories. We have something for everyone. Come see us at Elka Spas Billiards and Pools. We are located on the bypass down from the Socasty McDonald's and now the new Starbucks by the Market Commons. And we're on the frontage road now called Northgate Boulevard. I'm Kimberly Elko with Elko Spas Billiards and Pools. Isn't it time to relax? Hey, let's go to Elko. Are you missing those date nights? Picnics in the park and outdoor dining? Then I have a dining experience just for you. Crepe Creation Cafe on DeVille Street in the Market Common. Enjoy casual indoor and outdoor dining, takeout, and curbside delivery. Larry and the chef at Crepe Creation Cafe create unique, healthy, and absolutely delicious recipes just for you. Crepe Creation Cafe in the Market Common. Open seven days a week. Sweet and savory for breakfast, lunch, dinner, and dessert. Visit CrepeCreation.com. Thanks for waking up with Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee. Little David Gray to help you get your Saturday morning going. Little something for the pain. I feel like we all need a little something for the pain right now. Yeah, like shots. Uh, yeah. The pain something. is terrible. Give me something. Give me a little something for the pain, Doc. Uh, it is a tough week, folks, and I am feeling burdened, as I have said, but I will not lose hope. By the way, I want to thank Albert again for checking in on the PCRXcomputers.com text line. Margaret, Margaret checking in. Good morning, Margaret. Uh, Keith checking in. Keith uh, said, are y'all broadcasting Reese this morning? Uh, Keith, I've been here. <laughs> I've been here all morning, man. He's, uh, he's, he's, I'm here. I'm uh, a president accounted for. He also, Keith reminds us of Psalm 8318, we must trust in the Lord. Yes, folks, it is uh, all is not lost and uh, do not lose hope. Um, you know, our, our hope ultimately is not in men. Our hope ultimately uh, is in uh, our eternal hope is in Christ. And we're just here for a time. And I'm going to remind you all of that again at the end of the show. But, you know, even here, speaking of temporal matters, all is not lost. And uh, we have to uh, keep the faith and remain strong and refuse uh, to, you know, respond to the to the lesser angels and and to and to let's let's keep the faith keep hope alive as uh, jesse jackson would say don't lose hope in our ability to get through this this is a, a setback this none of this is going the way any of us would have hoped the last uh, few days have been particularly difficult you know i was thinking about it this morning all of us uh, probably heard the same civics lesson i heard the civics lesson as a kid in elementary school i also heard a similar lesson in, uh, in, in law school, as, as in college and as late as law school. But, you know, one of the things that has distinguished us as a nation, we, don't forget, folks, we're in the midst of a 250-year experiment in democracy. This is still an experiment, and it remains to be seen how long a, a free people 
can peaceably govern themselves. Thus far, we've done a pretty darn good job. One of the things that we often heard, uh, that I heard growing up, we all heard this growing up. We went to our uh, civics class in high school or in elementary school, and we heard how many times since 1787 that this nation, one nation under God, had engaged in the free and fair election of its leader, and how many times we'd engaged in the peaceable transition of power from one person to the next, from one president to the next, and also even transitions from one party to the other. And that has been something that we have done time and time again. And that was something that we have taken great pride in, rightfully so, as a nation, that we've done that for so many years, now for more than 200 years. And it has dawned on me this week, we can't say that anymore. Five people have died in the transition from Donald J. Trump to Joe Biden. And we're not to January 20th yet, folks. we got another dozen days to go. So it is, uh, it's really, really uh, tough and somber when you think about that. We can no longer tell folks that we have always had exclusively a peaceful transition. And it, it makes me angry to say that. I mean, this, this has me very wound up, and I'm very frustrated with a lot of things and a lot of folks. But um, we still don't lose hope. We, uh, we, keep, we keep putting one foot in front of the other, and we don't lose hope. We move forward, and we trust that uh, our God is sovereign. He's got a plan, and he will get us through this. We're going to get through this, and we will come out on the backside. There is a future, and as I've said many times on this show, freedom is a stubborn thing. And so you just got to remain committed uh, to that. And uh, joined here on the program this morning by somebody who I've been interested to talk about, uh, General, uh, Rep- General, Representative Russell Fry, going to be uh, asking him some questions. Uh, I've been trying to get in touch with Russell, and I've been exchanging uh, messages for the last few weeks. I wanted to get a legislative update from him going into the legislative session, but it is uh, sort of a, a secondary item today. I'd really like to hear Russell's thoughts on, on what has happened this week. Uh, Russell, you uh, with us this morning? I am. Good to be here. Good morning, sir. I can hear you just fine. How are you doing this morning? Uh, Doing well. I'm doing well. I'm uh, a little bit cold this morning, but that's okay. A little nippy. Uh, We got air in our lungs, and it's a new day. It's a new day. Well, uh, I'm, I wanted to thank you for joining uh, us on the program this morning, Russell. You know, you and I have been talking uh, in recent weeks about coming on the show mm-hmm. and talking about a legislative update, legislative priorities. Um, you know, I have, I have in unpacking everything and trying to think through things since, um, you know, uh, November 3rd, I've, I've sort of come to the conclusion, Russell, that I'm a one-issue voter. We've got to do something to restore the integrity of our elections and I want to get to that. I want to figure out, you know, where we are, where that stands. So I'd like to talk about that. But I want to start with this question. Um, so I'll give you a little time to think about that. But I want to start with this question. Uh, where is the Republican Party uh, today? And, and where, do you, where do we go from here? What's your sense of where we are? And uh, kind of in the vein that we were just discussing, what's, what, is, what, is your, what is your prognosis on where we are today? And where do we go from here? It's, uh, it's not looking real bright at the moment. So... Yeah, you know what, Reese? I, I think I was listening to you this morning, and I think you hit on on, on several points that I kind of feel too. You know, I, I was a was a Trump supporter, uh, have been. I think the policies largely have been fantastic. I think in in many ways, you know, we've seen kind of a golden the golden years of America in four years, and just the way that the economy has hummed. And so it's kind of hard to 
to look at that and go, wow, we just lost, but we did. And, um, and, and I think it's, I think that it's healthy to recognize that, uh, that it wasn't all the regularities that caused this, although I think that contributed to it. Yeah. I think it's healthy to realize that we have our own shortcomings as conservatives and Republicans. And how can we fix that? I mean, we had a, a good night, I think, in the House uh, where uh, where Republicans were um, expected to lose seats but gained. You had uh, Senate seats where certain senators were expected to lose but won, you know, but then we lost the White House. And I think that there's, a, there's probably some healthy internal searching on how can we be better. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of that. And there's a lot of the stuff, Reese, you remember this from when we were in the party that we talked about back then that I just still believe that we fall short at, and that's getting out there in front of people. Don't throw a bunch of kind of weird ideas out there in front of people's face, but if you ask people about issues on taxes, on guns, on abortion, they agree with the Republican Party. And I think that when we get back to our issues and we get back to our core and we realize that the Republican Party is bigger than any one person, and that's not to say that Trump was bad. I'm just saying that like, it's important to focus on the issues. Yeah. And when we get back to that, I think that we win. We win elections, and we've seen that. In, we saw that in 2016. We saw that in 2010. We saw that in a lot of ways in, 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 in elections around the country in different parts of our history. But we get back to that. And, and I, I, look, it is a tough day. It is a yeah. tough week. Um, but I, the sun is shining today. And yep. it's a it's a it's a new world, and it doesn't mean that we've lost the the war, so to speak. It just means that we need to self reflect, diagnose our own shortcomings, whatever they may be, yep. and get out there and win this thing again because it's not over. There's still, no. you know, you still have to do things, and and the you know the fight for the heart and soul of America is not over. No, um, absolutely not. But it, it was it was a weird week, obviously, with everything that happened in D.C. and that was just kind of unfortunately. In, in my opinion, uh, as you said, just a, a very bad way to end um, a, a pretty successful presidency. Yeah, it, it really was. A, it's a tragic moment. I, I call it a tragedy of uh, almost kind of Shakespearean proportion. I see, uh, I see Trump as a bit of a Shakespearean figure at the moment. It's, it's incredibly, incredibly sad. Regardless of what you feel about Trump, acknowledge that just the humanity of it. It's extremely... Yeah. It's extremely sad on many, many levels. Russell, I've got a few more questions for you. If you don't mind, can you hang around over the break? We'll be back to you. You got it. All right, Happy brother. To. Folks, stick with us. We've got a few uh, uh, sponsors to hear from, a little obscene profit timeout, and we'll be right back with more Russell Fry and more Saturday morning coffee. Stick with us. Saturday morning coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. And more coming up next on Talk 94.5. Hi, this is Scott Richards for Advanced Power Wash of Myrtle Beach. We have been in our house for 20 years, and we recently cut back some hedges, and I realized, boy, this house is a mess. So I got in touch with my friend, Sean Gibson. Sean is the owner and proprietor of Advanced Power Wash of Myrtle Beach. This guy is amazing. Sean's going to come out and clean our house. Low pressure, high cleaning. It's going to take less than a day, and it will look better than new. I am absolutely convinced. Get started. Advanced Power Wash MB. Dot com. Moonstar Financial Advice. 
Advisors wishes everyone a healthy, safe, and prosperous 2021 as they move into their 22nd year of protecting and growing your retirement accounts. North Star founder Patrick Monroe is unveiling brand new strategies to protect and grow your retirement accounts in this new but potentially volatile year. You deserve a better rate on your certificate of disappointment from the bank. You deserve a better income outcome on your 401ks and IRAs, and you deserve a retirement advisor who will speak the truth in a financial world that distorts and spins. So take the first steps to a financially happy new year and call 843-448-7305 for your 21 good reasons to retire right with North Star's report this year. And book into Patrick's first 2021 retirement dinner town hall at Chestnut Hill Restaurant Tuesday, January 12th at 5 p.m. Call 1-888-701-2083 or reserve online at northstarnavigator.com. All across the nation, we are here for our communities. We're doing our part to get supplies where it's needed in order to fight COVID-19 together. It feels good to be out there to assist our community. I would like our friends and family to know that your National Guardsmen are always ready and always there. Visit NationalGuard.com to find out more. Sponsored by the South Carolina Army National Guard. Aired by the South Carolina Broadcasters Association and this station. BurgerFi is here for you. Our dining rooms are reopened. We're also offering pickup and delivery through BurgerFi.com and your favorite delivery app. At BurgerFi, being thoughtful is a core belief that drives our business and our people every day. We're thoughtful about how our team serves the community. We're thoughtful about our food being made with care. And we are thoughtful about partnering with local charities. People are at the heart of everything we do. BurgerFi is taking extra precautions in our dining rooms, including limiting capacity. Our team members are wearing protective gear and all frequently and thoroughly wash their hands and clean all surfaces. We're thankful for our team, our guests, and for your support these past months and in the months ahead. Be sure to download our app and enjoy BurgerFi soon. BurgerFi, redefining the way the world eats burgers. Located near Target on Highway 544 at 106 Sayburg Parkway in Myrtle Beach. Boyd Radio Hour, two full hours on Talk Everybody, welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. Little Hugh Masakela, pick you up a little bit on this uh, Saturday morning. Here with Russell Fry, we're talking about the uh, events of the week, all the things going on in the uh, political world. Uh, really, it's the world at the moment. Politics has sort of subsumed everything else for the time being until we get through at least the next few weeks and and figure out what the new. Uh, I was, part strike that i was about to say the new normal but i hate that so whatever 2021 by the way we were all discussing on many occasions on this program how 2020 was starting to strain us all but let me just strike all that from the record i want to take 2021 back and and let's return it get my money back let's start over 
Let's go back to January 1. Well, you heard that 2021 told 2020, hey, hey watch this, hey, hold my beer. Yeah, hold my beer. Yeah, yeah. clearly, clearly that happened. So uh, we were talking with Russell Fry just before the break. Russell is still with us. Russell, thanks for sticking uh, with us here on the program. Um, one of the things I think, and tell me what you think about this, of course, uh, I, I think we're about to see a, a teachable moment. You talked about how the, the message of the party resonated in, in many elections in November, many races in November. And I, I think you're right. And I think one of the things I think we're going to see coming up is the policies that the left is going to pursue, particularly if Biden is pushed to the side, as I think he will. We're going to see, I think, fairly dramatically that success is not accidental, um, that these policies matter. And if they implement the Green New Deal and do the various things that you know raise our taxes. I mean, marginal tax rates are going to go up significantly between what they're likely to do at the federal level and what they're likely to do in places like California. Um, I, I think you're going to see real economic um, stagnation and, and, I, and you're going to see growth. Just you're not going to see growth. You're going to see economic contraction. And so I think people are going to learn and, and those things filter down, do they not? I think they do. I mean, I think, you know, you, you see this time and time again in 2008 is the most clear example recently, but you see where the, the left has kind of come in and, and they they take the Obama presidency and they run straight to the left and voters punish them bad in 2010. You remember that? I mean, it was a, it was, it was, it was 40 some odd house seats, what, 10 or so Senate seats. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just was an incredible flip around from where we were. And look, the, the Democrats do this a lot, okay? They, they, they embrace all the crazy Bernies in the, in the primary, and then they turn around and try to run as a mainstream moderate in the general. And, and we even saw that this past time, there was kind of fissures amongst Democrats and, and even amongst the Biden administration. It's like, well, you said this about fracking two months ago, and now all of a sudden you're saying you're not going to do that. And yeah. so... You had some people, and, and heck, Bernie and even AOC said, you know, our goal is to get him in there first, and then we'll work to try to fix him, basically. Um, and so, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I don't know how, I think even amongst Democrats, there's going to be a lot of fissures, but I think you're right. I think that, that that's going to be the, the, the issue moving forward is, you know, can we stop that? And yeah. I think in, in many respects, because issues that, that matter to the American people, um, I know that, that are, are pretty much on, on we are on their side. Um, it's going to be hard for them to govern, even even though we don't have these things. Um, the margins are very narrow for them. Yeah, and and I I think uh, frankly up until this week, I, I really don't think there was any real mandate to do much of anything. I really no. was not, even though the Georgia thing was a huge setback. I mean that those two yeah. races were a huge setback and. You know, I want to say this uh, real quick. I mean, there there have been a lot of people that blame the results in Georgia on Trump, and I just want to say this: if you are a Georgia voter, and I, I mean, I know we have I have a few friends in Georgia that stream the program, but if you're a Georgia voter, you voted for Warnock, and uh, I mean, if you did not vote for Purdue and Loeffler because you don't like Donald Trump or you felt like the the voting was was rigged and you just were going to abstain from the process, that's on you. That's on you. This that was not. Donald Trump's fault. He didn't handle all of that the way I would have handled it, but that's not on Donald Trump. That's, that's on the voters of Georgia. And, uh, and it's just real, it's really unfortunate that the Senate now is, has gone to the, um, to the Democrats because that's what I'm concerned about. 
uh, yep. Russell, is that they will, they're going to try to election-proof themselves, whether they try to pack the court or do the various other things that some have predicted. But that, that is my concern, that they will try to, uh, you know, to make themselves election-proof. And, and that, that, well, is, that is a concern. And at the very least, it allows them to appoint whoever they want to to cabinet agencies, right? I mean, so that that's that's that was a big thing. You know, we, we didn't have the House. Obviously, it was doubtful whether we were going to win the White House, you know, after the election and just the way that the terrain looked. You know, the big thing was stop the Senate. Let the Senate be, you know, the, the place where things go to just end. And uh, at least for these Biden appointees, you know, it, it would have forced a, a good conversation about, you know, merit and not political favoritism. Um, yeah. uh, but I, I don't know that that's going to happen now. And so it'll be interesting to see what happens on a federal level. Yeah. Well, one of the things I've alluded to on the show this morning is the, the, the events since November 3rd have made me, at least for the moment, a one issue voter. And of course, there'll be other things that we have to tend to. But at the moment, I don't think there's anything more important in this republic that we must do but restore the integrity of the ballot box and and restore the confidence that the folks have in the electoral process and i think that's why january 6th happened frankly is because at the moment folks have no confidence in, in the electoral process at least as it relates to the to the race uh for president and and uh, probably the recent races in georgia but that i think that's going to carry over i don't see there's you know, there's a great deal of concern there, a great deal of suspicion, and and much of it justified. Frankly, what do you, what are your thoughts there? How do we how do we restore uh, the integrity of the electoral process? Because if we don't do that, frankly, everything else is we're done. It's over, game over. That that is the one non well one of a few non negotiable things in a democracy, as I'm sure you would agree. No, I 100 percent do, and I think that you know you you have to look at. Uh, the way and, and, and when you start trying to game election laws to favor one side or the other, that's when you know you're losing and you need to stop. And and for some of these states who have kind of, um, you know, expanded what they view as expanded access to the ballot box, what they've really done is hurt the credibility of the election. And so what I mean by that is these, you know, I'm, I'm in favor of, of a mail-in ballot where you request your ballot and you get sent a ballot and then you send it back. I'm fine with that. That is absentee ballots. We do that in the state and we do it quite well. Um, We've done it for a long time. We've we've done it for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. What I'm not in favor of is that you take voter rolls and you throw them out there and you throw these ballots out there. I know I look at voter rolls a lot. And if I ask for a list of who voted in the 2012 Republican primary, I can get it. And if I decided to mail them something, I'm going to get a ton of ballots back. Why is that? Because people have moved. They have yeah. died. They have done a lot of things in in 10 years. If I do it even from the last election, yeah. two months ago, it's going to have changed. And so that's, that's when, when you look at the way that these things go, is it is a dangerous thing when you start talking about ballot harvesting. I know that you might think that you mean well and that you're expanding access to the polls, but what you're really doing is you're putting a third party in the in the possession of a lawful or unlawful um, ballot of somebody, and you're giving them the trust to turn that ballot in for you. That's awful. Yeah. That is so ripe for fraud. And so oh, I yeah. think, you know, in many, in many respects, States need to return to that, and states need to come back, and they need to implement voter ID if they don't have it. I know we have it in the state. They need to implement some of these things to come back to the normal. Yeah. If you want to help people uh, uh, 
vote and, and, and you want to help people have access to the ballot, restore the integrity of an election first and make sure that people are, are comfortable with where we are and what the laws are as far as the, the, the ballot is concerned. Because you're right, Reese, if we don't fix that, it's over. Yeah, nothing else matters. And not just politically, yeah. it's, it's just the faith in the system is eroded. Yeah. And how do you restore that? Well, you get rid of some of these gimmicky BS uh, laws or regulations that are on the books, yeah. which, which really kind of harm the integrity of an election. I've read reports, and this is um, not absolutely certified facts, so don't take it as such, but I've read various stories that said we mailed out somewhere between 70 and 80 million ballots unsolicited. I'm talking about nationwide in the process of the lead up to the November election. And if that's true, Russell, I think the, the election was lost then. That was, you know, it was a foregone conclusion. And I'd remind people again that the president said many times over the course of the summer that the November election was going to be a disaster, you know? And uh, mm-hmm. so I think we've got to do that. Yeah, we knew this coming. Yeah. So, uh, Russell, I, I had plenty more to ask you about, but I want to thank you for joining the program. I um, gotta, We've got to go to a hard break and at the top of the hour for news. But, listen, thanks for sticking with us and uh, and keeping the faith and keep up the good work and come back on the show anytime. We'll always love to have you on I the sure program. I sure will, my friend. Okay. I sure will. I appreciate what you're doing. Thank, thank you. you. Folks, that's State Representative Russell Fry, and we'll be back after these words from our sponsors with more Saturday morning coffee. Stick with us. Here to move forward with impeachment. Speaker Nancy Pelosi on Thursday suggested House lawmakers would move to impeach the president if Vice President Mike Pence and other cabinet members declined to remove him by invoking the 25th Amendment, a move that Mr. Pence reportedly opposes. All right, stop. Collaborate and listen. ISIS back with my brand new invention. Something grabs her hold of me tightly, flowing like an awful. Daily and nightly, will it ever stop, y'all? I don't know. Turn off the lights, and I'll go to the extreme. I rock a mic like a man who light up the stage and wax a chunk like a candle dance. Caress a speaker that booms, I'm killing your brain like a poisonous mushroom deadly. When I play a dope melody, anything less than the best. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, 8.05 on your Saturday morning. Having a few uh, technical difficulties in the background here at Saturday Morning Coffee. That's why we were a little late coming into the news break at the top of the hour, but we're working through those. Thanks for... uh, No commercials. You're commercial-free right now. We're commercial-free here on Saturday Morning Coffee for the moment, but we'll uh, we'll get back to those uh, uh, obscene profit timeouts when we can. (laughs) And uh, for now, enjoy the show. We're, uh, I want to thank Russell Fry, State Representative Russell Fry, for uh, joining us here on the program. Always good to chat with him. I had more things that I wanted to talk to Russell about, and unfortunately, we did not get to all of those topics. I wanted to spend a little more time digging into the ballot integrity issue, talk about paper ballots, uh, talk about these electronic voting machines, talk about how uh, the results as uh, the electronic voting machines have tabulated them over the last couple of elections here in O'Ree County in particular have been the subject of a lot of discussion and some controversy. So uh, we've got to continue to drill down on that issue and I'll get Russell back on the show again and we'll, we'll continue to address that. But as I said before and during the interview with Russell folks, I have become a one issue voter for the moment. I'm a one issue guy. It's all about at the moment ballot integrity and we've got to take every reasonable step that we can uh, to ensure 
the integrity of the election process. And that's why we are having all the problems that we have is folks just don't trust the results of the November election, particularly in regard to the uh, Trump-Biden uh, election. And frankly, with good reason. I want to remind everybody that just because legally there wasn't enough <clears throat> admissible evidence, we'll call it, uh, specific evidence, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff that you heard from uh, in, the, in, the, in the regard to the Kraken, Sidney Powell, uh, Rudy Giuliani, a lot of the stuff was theoretical and, and sort of open-ended concerns about process and things of that nature, which aren't typically things that are admissible in court. As a lawyer, a lot of this makes sense to me intuitively, and, and I got that. And you know, frankly, from the very beginning, from the first week of November uh, on the Liz Calloway show, I told Liz, I said, Liz, the problem here, the real problem here as I see it, and maybe not the beginning of November, but by the middle of November, it seemed clear to me that the problem was as an evidentiary issue, and I'm just speaking as a lawyer, and I'm going to have to be a lawyer. Put on my lawyer hat for a minute. After all, Monday to Friday, I am a lawyer. So bear with me. Putting on my lawyer hat, looking at it as an evidentiary problem, I saw it as, yes, there's no doubt there was fraud in this election. There's no doubt that there were things that happened that were not legal. But the evidentiary problem was an extremely challenging problem for somebody that's going to prove this case because it's like a pond that's like a mile wide and an inch deep. And so what you got to do is you've got to take, and, and somebody hands you a soup ladle, and they say, we want you to take this soup ladle and transfer this pond into a bucket. That, that is sort of the best analogy that I've been able to think of for the sort of the evidentiary mountain that the president had to climb. And I don't think for a moment that the election was... Uh, flawless certainly and i'm not even sure the results are legitimate but we lost and as i said on friday you know in politics in a constitutional republic uh, you're going to win a few you're going to lose a few and a few are going to get rained out and over the course of a couple hundred years there are going to be one or two that get stolen from you and unfortunately that has to be okay it's not right but at some point it has to be okay it's pretty well regarded that the 1960 election was stolen, that Mayor Daley in Chicago delivered, you know, somewhere between 10 and 30,000 dead and non-existent voters for Kennedy. Um, and he won the election as a result. And Richard Nixon knew that. But for the good of the country, Richard Nixon did not challenge the uh, results of the election. He felt like he would damage himself politically far worse if he challenged it, than if he just bided his time. And frankly, again, we're dispensing truth today. Frankly, if Donald Trump, this is where Donald Trump should have drawn the line, in my opinion. Take this, three bucks, and go get a cup of coffee. It is Saturday morning coffee, after all. After the Electoral College votes were certified on December 14, and after the Supreme Court declined to hear the challenge that it was filed by Texas, challenging the way those votes were, were tabulated in the various states, the seven states where the irregularities were so widespread, when the Supreme Court said, we don't have standing to hear that, they were wrong, frankly. But when they said, we don't have standing to hear that, we're not going to hear it, then that's where the road ended, folks. That's where 2020 stopped and 2024 started. 
And that's when Trump should have said, and by the way, what the Supreme Court should have done with that election is entirely a different question. But there's no doubt in my mind that they had standing to hear the claim that 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 Texas had standing to represent its voters in a dispute with Pennsylvania and other states that did such a horrible job calculating their vote tallies. You know, when when one of the reasons the Supreme Court exists, it's specifically set forth in the Constitution, is to settle disputes between states. That's one of the, that it's specified. And, for instance, one of the things that happened between states are boundary disputes, is, you know, because the original surveys were based on trees and rivers and things that move. And so if a survey is inaccurate or something happens and there's a boundary dispute, we don't require all of the people who live along the boundary, for example, between South Carolina and North Carolina, to file briefs in the Supreme Court to have their case heard. No. North Carolina sues South Carolina or the, the whatever the two states are, and they say, hey, we have a boundary dispute. And the state is a stand-in, a proxy for those people within its state along the border who are affected. So it happens all the time. And there's no doubt that the Supreme Court, in my mind, had standing to hear this case. It is, in, it is just, it's a travesty that they did not because part of the reason that January 6th happened, part of, that, part of the reason for that is the failure of the Supreme Court to hear the Texas case. Part of that, the, the, those five people, part of the blood is on their hands. They did not do their job. Now, what they should have done with the case is a real tricky is a real tricky nut. But they should have heard it. At least they had standing to hear it. And and everybody keeps saying uh, Bush v. Gore, Bush v. Gore. I want to just remind everybody: the only thing the Supreme Court really did in Bush v. Gore is said, "Look, the circus has gone on long enough. It's time to stop." But so what they would have actually done with the case is a real sticky wicket. But they should have heard it. They should have heard it. So. Um, one of the things that this reminds me of, but before I go any further, I just want to remind everybody, it is all about ballot integrity now. And what I think that means for me is we've got to have a paper ballot. Your election process has got to start with a paper ballot, and it's got to end with a paper ballot, that same paper ballot being held until the election results are in the history books. And uh, if you want to scan that ballot for purposes of counting and, uh, and, and, and other things that you have to do in the process of tabulating the results, that's fine. But that, that, that vote should start with a paper ballot, and, and it should be retained. And it should always be available for an audit or a recount or whatever the case may be. And, and furthermore, you should have to go to the polls, and you should have to show a photo ID. If you can go to a grocery store during a pandemic, you can go to a polling place. And if you can show an ID to buy a beer, well, you can show an ID to vote. And anything else is just absurd. And so we've got to make those things happen. We've got to dramatically scale in this mail-in voting. Unsolicited mail-in voting has got to stop. And if, if we don't do those things, if we don't get those things done, then the constitutional republic as we know it is done. It's over. Um, I want to take a moment to uh, – Glenn, do we have phone access? 
Yes, we do. Okay, I'm sorry, folks. All, all the text lines are down. My computer screen does not show me anything at the moment. I'm assuming we were supposed to have an interview with Chris Poyat of the Convention of States. She's here. Oh, she's on it. Okay, yeah. all right. So my screen, we were having some tech, technical difficulties, Chris. My screen went dead. I didn't know if you were there or not. So I want to. one of the things uh, we, we've been talking about uh, is the importance of federalism. And the results that this election, for me, demonstrates is the need for a new look at federalism. And so one of the things that is out there, I wanted to bring to y'all's attention again, we've talked about it on the program before, is what's called the Convention of the States. And it is an effort to reassert the state's role in the federal system. And, and I think, as I have talked with Russell about this morning, Russell Fry, uh, and I've talked with uh, other callers this morning, that I think on the federal level we're in for some very tough sledding. And I think we're going to see some very harmful things happen at the federal level now that the Democratic Party has uh, the House, the Senate, uh, and the White House. I think, I think we're in for some very, very tough sledding. So it becomes even more important for your state, South Carolina, Texas, wherever you are, to be able to assert itself in this, in this delicate balance of, of federalism that gives certain authorities to the state and certain authorities to the federal government. And one of the efforts to reassert the state's role in all of this is called the Convention of the States. And we're joined by Chris Poyette, who is with the Convention of the States Project. Chris, can you hear me? Yes, sir, I can. Good morning. Good morning. How are you this morning? I'm very good, thank you. So, Chris, I apologize. I know we're running late, but I wanted—I didn't know if you were there or not. And, I, and Glenn and I are not having all the tools. I don't have all the tools in front of me, and uh, I'll, I'll try to get that re-going, but uh, re-initiated. But tell us, who, who are you? And, and, and tell me a little bit about what is the Convention of the States Project? Okay. Um, my name is Chris. I live in Surfside Beach. I've been in South Carolina for about seven years, and Convention of States is a grassroots organization that was started by Mark Meckler. And in 2010, Mark Meckler was one of the founders of the Tea Party. He believed at that point in time that part of the problem in Washington, particularly in Congress, was that we needed to send the correct conservatives to Washington and make sure that people elected, uh, you know, the the conservatives that really were conservatives. Mm -hmm. And after about two years, um, he, he was successful in getting conservatives elected. But after about, as, if you remember the 2010 election, mm-hmm. Republicans kind of took over. Yeah. Um, but after, after that occurred, a year or two later, he realized that it wasn't the candidate or the congressman or senator who was serving. It was the system that was broken. And that these people, even though they had conservative uh, tendencies and leanings and, and concerns, sure. they were overwhelmed by the rest of the system. So he sat down with some people like Michael Ferris, who's a, a strong constitutionalist, mm-hmm. and said, if, if electing the right people doesn't fix it, how can we fix it? Yeah. And yeah. they drew their, it drew their eyes to Article 5, their, uh, the last article of, of the, the general statement yeah. mm-hmm. of the Constitution each article enumerates different powers, but Article 5 simply stated says that if any aspect of this needs this uh, uh, Constitution needs to be changed, you can add amendments. And it provided a way for Congress to amend the Constitution. And the day after they finished and voted on it and said, okay, guys, this is great, George Mason came back, he was thinking at night, and he goes, whoa, we, we're doing this to control the federal government. 
But the only way that they can add amendments is through the federal government. Well, that's not going to work. We need to keep the states autonomous. We need to keep the states independent with the exception of the enumerated powers for this federal government. Mm -hmm. So they devised the the part of the clause that says that the amendments can be proposed by the states themselves and bypass Congress. And in order to do that, they need to call this convention, which is called an Article 5 convention, send commissioners, discuss the reasons for the convention, for the amendments that they're trying to propose, and then those, when they uh, come out of this uh, organization, they have to be approved by 38 states. 38 states. And yes, sir. So this- Which is exactly, it, it's the same number. The, the uh, ratification of any amendment, whether it comes from the states through an Article 5 or it comes from Congress, is exactly the same. Any amendment has to be approved at the moment by 38, by 38 states correct. because based on That's based correct. on total 50 of states a total of 50 correct. states yeah and as you've said we've amended the constitution what 28 times 28 28 mm-hmm. times i'm a lawyer i guess i should know that because but but those amendments have all originated well, of course we got 10 right off the bat with the bill of rights obviously but the other uh 18 have all originated in congress um, none have ever been done by constitutional convention but there's no real reason why the states should not assert their prerogative in Article 5 that's been there since the founding. I know there's some people, it's become a little bit of a controversial issue, but how many states have, so how many states have approved this or joined in this effort that the Convention of States is uh, is sponsoring to call for this convention? Uh, by last May or June, the end of the legislative season in most states, we had 15. Mm-hmm. And, and actually, Reese, there have been multiple petitions for conventions of states yeah. by, and going back a long time. It's yeah. just they've never gotten to the part where they get to uh, uh, two-thirds of the, of the states to call it. Um, but balanced budget amendment that is currently floating around in this country yeah. has had an Article 5 presentation that they've been pushing since the 1950s, and it's never died. Yeah. It's still it's still roaming around, and they're trying to get that through. Yeah. And um, what are what are the speaking of balanced budget? What are the what are the themes of the uh, amendments that the Convention of States project would 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 propose to pursue? Um, in the in introduction to the to the resolution, as it's presented in all fifty states, the wording is exactly the same. There are three, let's say, arms to the information or to the purpose of this the the amendment. The first one can be said we can say for argument's sake is term limits, but we're not talking about term limits for just Congress. We're talking about term limits for anybody who is in the federal government. Yeah. So if you have State Department people in Washington that have been there for 20 or 30 years, they would be term limited yeah. in a different way from Congress because they wouldn't necessarily lose their job, but they would have to be reassigned to a new district. They could not stay in Washington permanently as part of this organization. Or the FBI. You no. don't need people staying in one department, judges, 
do not need, they should be term limited. We do not need to be paying federal judges as much money as the federal government pays. Some of them don't even work anymore, and they're still getting full salaries. So all, including Supreme Court judges, there's there's room for wording in an amendment that says Supreme Court judges can be term limited. Yeah. Chris, one of the things we do here on the program occasionally to keep the lights on is uh, hear from a few sponsors. We've got that system back up and running. Can you stick with us over a commercial break? Sure. Um, Folks, we're talking to Chris Poyette with the Convention of States Project. After these words from our sponsors, who we're happy to hear from, we'll be right back with more. Chris and more Saturday morning coffee. Stick with us. I'm Reese Boyd. Don't leave town. I'm on a roll. It's time to go solo. In my 5.0 with the rack top down so my beard can blow. Saturday morning coffee. Call the show at 843-903-2945. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour returns after these on Talk 94.5. Hi, this is Scott Richards for Advanced Power Wash of Myrtle Beach. We have been in our house for 20 years, and we recently cut back some hedges, and I realized, boy, this house is a mess. So I got in touch with my friend, Sean Gibson. Sean is the owner and proprietor of Advanced Power Wash of Myrtle Beach. This guy is amazing. Sean's going to come out and clean our house. Low pressure, high cleaning. It's going to take less than a day, and it will look better than new. I am absolutely convinced. Get started. Advanced Power Wash MB. Are you tired of your typical closing experience? Sign here, sign here, oh, and here. Then go with the Tide. At Tide Law Firm, we handle all of your real estate transactional needs. From contract to close, we're here to help you every step of the way. Our staff provides the professional experience you need to complete your closing hassle-free. Not only do we serve our clients, it is our goal to provide you with a memorable experience. So what are you waiting for? Wave goodbye to your typical closing experience and ride with the Tide. Visit us at TideLawFirm.com. Remember, always go with the tide. Happy New Year from Seaside Furniture Gallery and Accents. Your Grand Strand Furniture Store is ringing in the New Year with all in-store furniture items discounted from 15 to 50% off our everyday low pricing. And with the largest selection of lamps, pictures, and accessories on the Grand Strand, you'll save more at 40% off our everyday low pricing. And our clearance items have been drastically reduced for cash and carry. Hurry in. Our New Year sales event won't last long. It ends January 31st. Seaside is located in the heart of North Myrtle Beach at 527 Highway 17 North. Open seven days a week, Monday through Saturday, 9 to 6, and Sunday, 1 to 5. Seaside Furniture Gallery and Accents. We love our customers. Here's Richie and Marty from One Hour Heating and Air. Well, folks, we finally made it. Yep. Goodbye, 2020. Hello, 2021. At One Hour Heating and Air, we want to kick off a whole new fresh year by offering you a whole new fresh life. Well, that may be an exaggeration. No, it's not. We're talking about giving them a whole new heating and air system for their home. Exactly. When you feel the difference your new system makes, your comfort definitely goes up. It feels like a whole new home. And your monthly energy bills drop. It's a beautiful thing, especially since we're offering the greatest deal on a new 18-seer system on the planet. Yeah, uh, maybe a little too good. I mean, an 18-seer system for the price of a 14-seer? Well, everyone likes the 18-seer the best. Aren't we losing money on this? I got a great deal from the manufacturer. It just seems too good to be true. Well, it is true. Happy New Year. Go online to onehourmagic.com. 
missing those date nights, picnics in the park, and outdoor dining? Then I have a dining experience just for you. Crepe Creation Cafe on DeVille Street in the Market Common. Enjoy casual indoor and outdoor dining, takeout, and curbside delivery. Larry and the chef at Crepe Creation Cafe create unique, healthy, and absolutely delicious recipes just for you. Crepe Creation Cafe in the Market Common. Open seven days a week. Sweet and savory for breakfast, lunch, dinner, and dessert. Visit CrepeCreation.com. Saturday morning coffee. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour is now two full hours. Two full hours on Talk 94.5. everybody welcome back to saturday morning coffee the reese boyd radio hour i am reese boyd your host it is 8 27 on your saturday morning saturday january 9 2021 thanks for sticking with us here on the program tough uh week to unpack but we're unpacking it here this week thanks for checking in folks on the pcrxcomputers.com text line the climbers checking in this morning good morning margaret checking in ken checking in Mark the Cab Guy checking in. Thanks to all of y'all for listening. Glad to have you with us here on the program. Got some interesting comments on the PCRXcomputers.com text line. Ken's got a good question, and uh, we'll try to get to that. Right now we're uh, talking to Chris Poyat with the Convention of States Project. You know, one of the things that the events of November 3rd and the subsequent fallout and all of the crazy things that happened this week in Washington have reminded me, one of the things that I've been thinking about is sort of this notion of federalism. And... Uh, we're now looking at a federal government dominated by the Democratic Party, not just the Democratic Party, but frankly, dominated by the Democratic Party, which itself is dominated by the far left wing of American politics at the moment. And, you know, we're about to have this is a teachable moment, folks. We're about to learn. <laughs> we're about to learn about the benefits of socialism, I think. And it's going to be a teachable moment for all of us, those of us who don't already know that socialism, central planning does not work and, and the Green New Deal and things like that uh, will only produce more cylindras, will not produce prosperity. The only thing that produces pos- prosperity is people incentivized to deploy their human and actual capital toward the things that you and I want as consumers. That is what produces prosperity and economic growth. Everything else is an aberration. Everything else is a deviation from the true efficient norm around which everything should equalize. I know that's kind of a crazy statement. I should put it a little more simply. But here's the deal. The government is going to try to muck things up, and they will succeed. That's what it all boils down to. And uh, so this uh, has reminded me, and, it won't, and, and, and my theory is it won't take long. I think the, we're, we're, it's like taking an, an, uh, an exit ramp off the interstate, and you realize you were going a little too fast for the ramp, and suddenly you start to feel the lateral G's in the car as, as everybody moves over to the uh, left-hand side of the vehicle. That's what we're about to experience as a nation. We're about to take an off-ramp at about 85 because Trump had things, in spite of the pandemic, he had things clicking along pretty well. I mean, we had the lowest minority unemployment rate in recorded history. And um, 
And that's about to change, frankly. And I think people will, I think people will learn from this experience. I hope and pray they will learn from this experience. One of the things that um, uh, somebody once taught me is life is the great teacher. And when the pupil is ready, the teacher will appear. Well, we'll we're all about to be taught. The nation is about to be taught. I hope. I, I hope that it will learn. But this has all reminded me of the importance of federalism. And the last few weeks, it's reminded me that we need to get back to a truer role of federalism in our system of government. And we need to return the states to more of the role that they were intended to have in the founding documents and in the founding uh, notions that, that set this, that set this uh, nation in motion. We're talking to Chris Poyat with the Convention of States. Chris, thanks for sticking with us. How are you doing? I'm good. Good. Well, uh, thanks for sticking with us through the break. One thing I want to, one last thing I want to say, I know some of the amendments are, you get into the weeds a little bit on what some of the amendments would do. And I think we can, we can debate, you know, the, the merits of those amendments, but I don't think anybody can debate the merit of a balanced budget amendment. I mean, to me, that is just a, a no brainer. And frankly, if we don't get this convention and we don't get an amendment passed to uh, enact a balanced budget, I don't think we'll ever have a, 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 a truly fiscally sound federal government. Am I, am I wrong? No, I don't think you're wrong. Um, convention of states is, is looking for, um, besides a balanced budget, controlled spending, controlled taxation with limits on both. Um, going back to your original statements about federalism, when, when the Constitution was first written, there was a lot of stress between the, the colonies themselves. They didn't, you know, there was competition. They didn't sure. like each other. They, they weren't getting along. The only reason they did get together was to basically defeat Great Britain. But when it came time to write the Constitution, the founding fathers were smart enough to know that each state needed to remain autonomous and do their own thing, so to speak. And so the enumerated powers were limited to the federal government. What has happened since then, and particularly in the last hundred years, is that the the federal government has impeded the, the responsibilities and the rights of the state. So Convention of States is trying to put the federal government back in its constitutional box. Um, Things like the EPA. uh, South Carolina is more than capable of deciding what clean air, what what clean water, what restrictions we need to put on manufacturing. Um, And and it should be for us. You got a ding, by the way. That's a good sign. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, you know, it should be up to this particular state to decide how every aspect of what happens in this state is controlled by this state. We want our state legislature to be doing what the federal government is doing and, uh, return those powers back to the state where we can actually control them. Yep. So Chris, if folks want to learn more about the convention of states project, which I encourage everyone to do by the way, and I'll post a link to the convention of states website, uh, on the social media page for the show. But what, um, I would say I would tweet it out, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to break the Twitter habit, uh, as I've already announced on the program, what can folks do to to learn more about the convention of states project? Um, we can, you can go online at any point in time to conventionofstates.com, and yeah. there's information about resources 
the reasons behind the process, how far the process has come. You know, when we get, every time a state files or passes, Washington is informed. The the recommendations are listed as passed with the Supreme Court and the Congress. When we get to 30, Washington and the Congress is going to start to get pretty nervous. So they, they know what's going on. And every citizen who's concerned and upset about this past election and the change in government, as you were just talking about, um, or or worried because taxation is being used as a as a penalty now yeah. more than an incentive. Um, go to convention of states, read the information that's there in resources, in articles by exceedingly competent constitutionalists yeah. who understand the Constitution and where we're going. There's also a page where you can ask. Or, or volunteer to sign up. Yep. There's a page, once you sign the petition, if you're so inclined, uh, a, a notification goes to your House representative. All right, Chris, I appreciate that. Chris, Senator. I appreciate that very much. We've got to go to a hard break. We're running behind on our commercials. But thanks for sticking, or thanks for joining us here on the program. I've enjoyed talking to you. Come back on the show anytime, folks. That was Chris Poyet with the Convention of States. I invite you to check it out. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsors with more Saturday Morning Coffee. Local news and more. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour is now two full hours. More Reese means more coffee. Coming up next on Talk 94.5. Loss of a loved one is always difficult. Goldfinch Funeral Home has been the leader in our community for 115 years, offering full-service funerals as well as cremation services and pre-planning options so that you don't have to leave your family with difficult decisions during a stressful time. With five locations to serve you, including their newest in Carolina Forest, they are available any time of day or night. Learn more about personalized options at goldfinchfuneralhome.com. Berlin Wolf here with Carolina Cool. As the weather changes, we continue to hear news of the coronavirus and the flu. While the guidelines continue to encourage hand washing and sanitizing services, indoor air filtration technology has been a growing part of these conversations. Carrier has long been a leader in indoor air filtration with the Infinity Air Purifier. This device has a patented germicidal technology that is so effective it captures and kills 99% of airborne pathogens, including coronavirus. It is literally the same technology used in many hospitals. Carolina Cool's team of advisors can show you this and other options to safeguard your home. Turn to the experts and Carolina Cool. Now that's cool and clean. Carolina Cool, that's cool. BurgerFi is here for you. Our dining rooms are reopened. We're also offering pickup and delivery through BurgerFi.com and your favorite delivery app. At BurgerFi, being thoughtful is a core belief that drives our business and our people every day. We're thoughtful about how our team serves the community. We're thoughtful about our food being made with care. And we are thoughtful about partnering with local charities. People are at the heart of everything we do. BurgerFi is taking extra precautions in our dining rooms, including limiting capacity. Our team members are wearing protective gear and all frequently and thoroughly wash their hands and clean all surfaces. 
We're thankful for our team, our guests, and for your support these past months and in the months ahead. Be sure to download our app and enjoy BurgerFi soon. BurgerFi, redefining the way the world eats burgers. Located near Target on Highway 544 at 106 Sabre Parkway in Myrtle Beach. Arbor Landing at Surfside is now open. It pairs access to exceptional senior care services with the very best of Southern hospitality to create a world-class senior living experience in the heart of Surfside Beach, right on Dick Pond Road in Myrtle Beach. At Arbor Landing at Surfside, they use technology to create a simpler, healthier, and happier experience for the seniors who call Arbor Landing home. Find them online at richcare.com or call for a tour, 843-492-7387. Saturday morning coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk 94.5. One, two, three. Like a dark-haired girl in a Cadillac, a main street of an old forgotten town. And sunlight shines and fine white lines on weathered stores with open signs. They may as well just close them down. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. It is 8.39, 8.40 on your Saturday morning, Saturday, January 9, 2021. Welcome back to the show. I want to thank Chris Poyette with the Convention of States for joining us here on the program. Really appreciated her insight. Encourage you guys to check out the Convention of States project. Uh, you can Google, Google the Convention of States, uh, and at least uh, for the moment, you can get there through Google. I would imagine at some point Google is going to start to throttle back anything that they don't like. I, I, frankly, I believe they already are doing that. By the way, I want to thank everybody. Uh, y'all are lighting up the boards this morning. Tim, the car detail guy, checking in. Will, checking in again. Ryan uh, Bunnell, checking in. John, the fixer, checking in. Thank y'all for checking in with us here on the program. Uh, and I did not get a chance yet to get to a question that Ken had. I want to get to that on the pcrxcomputers.com text line. Ryan checking in, Google and Google Play and Apple. This is uh, from one of you guys. This is Ryan's comment. Uh, Google Play and Apple have removed Parler from their stores. First step in mass censorship. I could not agree with you more, Ryan. And it's so interesting. No sooner have the Democrats established their control over Congress and over the key committees that govern big tech. And what do you see happen? You see... The uh, they start they're they're burning the books. I mean, literally less than a week, less than a few days, and they are burning the books. They're limiting your access to information. They are acting like fascists, and it's frightening, folks. It's frightening that big tech right now they're acting like the brown shirts. They're acting like the brown shirts of the third Reich. They're they're telling you what you can read. They're telling you what you can say. They're telling you what you where you can do what you can gather for. And it's going to be very interesting how we deal with this, but we're not going to roll over and take it. And I've already said I'm, I'm going to shut down my Twitter account. I'm done with Twitter. Um, it, it's just I'm, I'm so frustrated with tech right now. It's, it's obscene how frustrated I am. But we'll, 
not get off on that diatribe. Ken asked the question, um, it is uh, people like freedom. Perfect segue into Ken's comment. People like freedom. They don't like to be encroached upon. The biggest, well, it just moved around. You guys are lighting it up and my texts keep moving around. Hang on a second. People like freedom. The biggest encroacher is government. I would add to that, Ken, at the moment, uh, tech, uh, Google, Amazon is, I think, at least as big a threat to your individual personal liberty as government. And that's one of the real challenges, frankly, of the 21st century is how do we deal with this idea that these institutions that are non-governmental, specifically big tech in particular, but there are others, but how are these institutions which are non-governmental and therefore not subject to the Bill of Rights, how do we deal with these platforms like Facebook, like Twitter? Uh, How do we deal with Apple? How do we deal with Amazon and AWS? How do we deal with those entities? But Ken says, uh, people like freedom. Ding. Yes, correct. They don't like to be encroached upon. Correct. The biggest encroacher is government. How about our leaders do things that protect our liberty rather than make more and more laws that encroach upon it? It would win elections. And ding, ding. Yes, I think you're right, Ken. And I think history ultimately continues to demonstrate that again and again. You know, one of the things you often hear from time to time, it seems every 10 to 15 years, you hear a little comment in the in the history books about people complaining about a do-nothing Congress. When I hear people complaining about a do-nothing legislature, I think, wow, you know, we should be so lucky uh, if they would just go up there and have a good time and not pass any laws that restrict my freedoms. I'd be fine with that. Go up there and, and have a good time and, uh, and, and, and promulgate, you know, foreign relations and get along and help us grow an economy that's uh, booming and otherwise stay out of my way, stay out of my hair, stay out of my life. So I think we're going to get a chance to learn, Ken, about the difference between a government that seeks to encroach upon your life in every possible way, as distinguished from the government policies that Trump and the Republican Party have attempted to pursue over the last four years. And like I said, I think it's going to be a teachable moment, and I hope people will uh, will learn. So uh, are we taking a break? Yeah, you got one more break. Oh, my goodness. Well, I was going to talk to Jared Dillian right now, but I guess we'll go to a break. Jared uh, Dillian is hanging with us. Jared, stick with us. Uh, we're going to get to Jared Dillian right after the break. Sorry, folks, we've got some technical issues here. I'm, uh, I'm, my clock is not in sync but we'll be right back after these words from our sponsors i'll be talking to jared Dillon, and we'll be talking about this election and where we go from here i'm reese boyd that's glenn die this is saturday morning coffee don't leave town we'll be right back so you're thinking about selling your home or you've got plans to do some home improvements let's get your home inspected by the pros Pro Home Inspection Services. Here's just some of the things Emerson Trepper will inspect. Moisture, air quality, infrared, HVAC vents, electrical panels and outlets, air leakage of doors and windows, water pressure, gas leaks, even roof inspections. Emerson Treffer of Pro Home Inspection Services has over 40 years of inspection experience, residential and commercial. He's also qualified as an expert witness in various state federal and county courts home inspections are a great way to check things out before you begin projects it's not just for selling or buying a home get started with pro home inspections sc.com that's pro home inspections sc.com pro home inspection services it's the value of experience 
Hey, everybody, it's Reese Boyd, your host for Saturday Morning Coffee, talking with Greg Sisson. Greg is the principal at the Greg Sisson Team Remax First Choice Real Estate. How long have you been in the real estate business? I started in real estate full time in 1997, and our company is, is really structured where we can serve the client at a high level. So we've really streamlined it to make it simple and easy for our clients. Our market is red hot kind of the perfect storm for home sellers right now in the Grand Strand. Greg, if folks want to get in touch with you at your office, how can they do that? Really, my cell phone is the best way. It's 843-251-2693. And then our website is gregsisson.com. Check us out there as well. If you are a seller today and you're thinking about it, it, it would make sense to give me a call. Remax First Choice, the Greg Sisson team, real estate experts here in Myrtle Beach, ready to help you with your real estate needs. I'm guessing you don't get too excited about having to clean your house. I mean, who does? Well, we do. Hi, this is Karina from The Cleanup Club. The Cleanup Club is all about cleaning your home, your business. Our staff is professional, efficient, and we're really friendly too. Get a quote for your home, business, or vacation rental. We love to clean. Start on our website. That's thecleanupclub.com. At The Cleanup Club, we shimmer and shine your house divine. Again, check us out at thecleanupclub.com. You're listening to the Reese Boyd Radio Hour, Saturday morning coffee on Talk 94.5. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday morning coffee. The technical glitches just continue. <laughs> hey, to man, why, folks. It started off that way. Why not finish that way? Uh, too? You know, hey, let's roll with it. Let's roll <sighs> with it. This has been one of those shows, folks. We're joined here on the program this morning by Jared Dillion. He's the uh, producer or host of the Jared Dillion Show here on this station on Saturdays and Sundays, I believe. Jared, how are you this morning? Uh, doing pretty good. Thanks for having me on. Oh, yeah. Listen, it's always great to talk to you. You and I have known each other for a few years. I think we met on the campaign trail a few years back, and I've always uh, respected and, and valued your wisdom and your insight, in, certainly into things financial, but just always enjoy talking to you and wanted to chat with you about uh, the last uh, week, this election um, where we go from here, what's, what's your take on, you've heard me say a few things I would assume while you've been on hold and we apologize for keeping you waiting. Um, but in terms of the impact of a, of a Biden presidency and a, and a democratically controlled Congress on the economy, wh- where do you see things headed? Well, I'm actually, I'm actually a bit optimistic. I'm, I'm not too pessimistic about this. I mean, even though the Democrats have control, it's really not by much. It's, you know, one vote in the Senate and four or five votes in the House. So, you know, I really think that ability to pass tax hikes is pretty limited. Um, I would be surprised if tax rates went back up to anything above where they were before, which was 39.6. Joe Biden has, he's already backtracked quite a bit from his campaign promises. You remember during the campaign, he said he was going to impose payroll taxes on people making more than $400,000 a year. That's not going to happen. I think the worst that would happen is the top rate goes back to 39.6. The corporate rate goes somewhere in the mid to high 20s. And that's going to be about it. Yeah. And do you see, you know, one of the things uh, that I think I learned from Trump, I, I realized that as a Republican, I'd always been kind of a free trader. And I feel like Trump actually pursued some policy policies that were a little bit of 
a break from what I would call Republican orthodoxy on trade. I think he pursued more of a national, uh, an economic nationalism on that front that seems to have worked a little bit in some degree. And, you know, remember Obama said, uh, those jobs ain't coming back. Would need a magic wand, and yet Trump seemed to be making over his tenure some progress toward bringing manufacturing jobs back uh, to regions of the country that had not seen them in years. It, will that progress? A, would you agree with me? And B, will that progress continue? Will it stop? What will happen in that regard? Do you think? Well, I, I don't agree with economic nationalism. I think we should have free trade, even when it comes to China. Um, but it, China is not going to be the recipient of a lot of manufacturing jobs going forward because their labor costs have increased quite a bit. It used to be, if you go back to the mid-2000s, that China was the nexus for all this low-cost labor, but wages have increased in China a great deal. So if you look at the really cheap places to produce in the world, it's not places like China. It's places like Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, Vietnam, stuff like that. So our relationships with those countries are going to be especially important going forward. Yeah. And do you see China as a threat going forward? Well, the problem with China is that they've come out better in the pandemic than we have. And, you know, that's, look, I mean, to deal with a pandemic requires an authoritarian country. We just don't do that here in the United States. I mean, Americans are maniacs. We don't follow the rules. We don't observe lockdown. And that's that's a, that's a feature, not a bug of our culture. I mean, that's yeah. just the way the Americans are. But in, in China, they had the ability to lock down the country and get rid of the virus. And now, economically speaking, you know, they have positive GDP coming out of the crisis. They yeah. have about 3 or 4% GDP. And they're getting economically stronger. And if they get economically stronger, they'll be militarily stronger. So, you know, when they look at the United States, you know, China used to have a lot of respect for the U.S. economic system. But they look at us with our trillions of dollars of debt and the Federal Reserve buying corporate bonds and stuff like that. And they say, you know, the United States is a mess. Our system is better. But they still rely on us as sort of and they we are their primary economic partner, correct? I mean, without us, no, they're, is, without us, they're in trouble, are they not? That is, that is still true. That is still true, yeah. And, and what is this I hear about the digital yuan and this desire that China has to supplement the dollar as the world's reserve currency? Is that, is that something to be concerned about? Uh, it is. I mean, basically, you know, here in the United States, the yields on Treasury bonds are very low. The yields on the 10-year notes are about 1%, and they used to be lower than that. And China is one of the few places in the world where you can get positive interest rates, not just nominal interest rates, but real interest rates. And they're trying to increase the attractiveness of their bond market to attract foreign capital. And it would be uh, very bad if Canada became the destination for a lot of, not Canada, China became the destination for a lot of capital flows because their bond market was attracting more investors. Yeah, for sure. I mean, because that, that all those capital flows are what fuel our economy. And uh, yep. if that money starts, if those funds start going to China, that would seem to be a major problem. Well, you you seem to be a little more sanguine about things. That's encouraging. And see, I'm always encouraged when I talk to you, Jared. That's why I have you on from, or we'll have you on from time to time, but I always have loved to talk to you in the past. You know, there are, 
been times in the last, you know, few days, few weeks when I've been like, you know, just pass me the hail bop applesauce and, and let me the hell off the planet. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's been one of those months, frankly. I love that by the way. That uh, was awesome. <laughs> but there, there is something, there is something that I, that I see coming down the pike that, that still concerns me. Let me get your take on this. Uh, one of the things you and I've often talked about is, is monetary. Well, this is not just monetary policy. This is, uh, our physical policy, but we continue to spend and borrow. And listen, Trump has been a great president in many ways. But one of the things that I've been concerned about is we have continued to spend money like drunken sailors. As you know, we have continued to run historic deficits, even during the Trump presidency. Um, and right now, the debt, I, I pull up the national debt clock every few days. Right now, the official debt on the books is about $27.7 trillion, But as you and I know, that just scratches the surface. Is this a problem? How long can we continue to spend money that we don't have? And when does it become a real crisis uh, for our country? You know, if you go back to 1994, and this is when uh, Bill Clinton was president, and we were talking about doing Hillary care, right? Yeah. I don't know if you remember what happened back then, but, you know, the bond market took a look at Hillary care, which was basically socialized medicine, and said the price tag on this is too big. And the amount of money that we'll have to borrow is just astounding. So interest rates went up about 2%. And that was a big shock to the economy. And basically the bond market, you know, there was that quote from Jim Carville that when he wants to, he wants to be reincarnated as the bond market because he intimidates everybody. It was interest rates that put a stop to that plan. But the dynamics of the bond market have changed a lot over the last 25 years. And usually when you run bigger deficits, interest rates go up. But now that's not happening. We run bigger and bigger deficits and interest rates are going down. Yeah. So the conclusion that a lot of people are drawing is that deficits don't matter. They don't matter. We can borrow as much as we want. And, of course, you and I know they do matter. They will matter eventually. I just don't know when that is. Yeah. Yeah, it, it seems, you know, it seems when I was a kid, everybody had, you know, everybody had some bonds in their portfolio. Now it's like you, I hardly ever hear the word. Nobody, nobody really, uh, and to my way of thinking, of course, I'm not a financial guy. You are, but uh, it seems as though the influence of the bond market is much less significant than it once was. Well, it is for now, but I, I got to tell you that if we continue, you know, just for example, like. I think even though taxes aren't going to go up a lot, I think we're going to have a great deal of stimulus spending mm -hmm. uh, in the next four years. I think, I think you know, we ran a $3.1 trillion deficit in 2020. I think it's going to be bigger in 2021. We're going to have infrastructure spending as well. And it's going to be interesting to see how the bond market reacts. If the bond market chokes on this and interest, go, interest rates go to 2%, then basically the Federal Reserve is going to have to step in and cap the yield curve. They're actually going to cap interest rates because otherwise the government will be insolvent. And if that happens, you'll see the dollar lose about 20% of its value overnight. Well, and, and that is a concern that I have is that somehow at the end of the day, this, uh, this, uh, this, the dollar crashes and all the funds that all these folks have in savings is sort of just, you know, goes up in smoke. Listen, Jared, and a lot more I'd love to talk to you about, but we've got to go. Uh, show's wrapping up. I appreciate your time. Thanks for waiting. I always enjoy talking to you both in person and on the air. So when can folks uh, come back anytime? When can folks catch your show on WTKN? Yeah, locally, I'm on uh, 2 to 4 p.m. today on Saturday and 7 to 9 a.m. on Sunday. And during the week, you can always stream it at JaredDillionMoney.com from 6 to 8 p.m. 
Well, listen, Jerry, thanks again for coming on the show. Uh, come back anytime. Always great to hear from you. Be well, my friend. Have a good, uh, have a good weekend. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Take care. Uh, folks, um, I want to just say one thing before we go. One of the things we've talked about on the show a lot is election integrity. And one of the things we talked about on, uh, on uh, the show, Liz show this week is, uh, you know, this is an issue that's got to be fixed. And I, I think we need a national investigation you know, inquiry into what happened in November. And, uh, and that should be pursued. There's nothing more in te- important for this country right now than ballot integrity. Um, and, and we've got to get to the bottom of what happened in November so that we can once again have confidence uh, in our elections. Folks, let me leave you with this bit of wisdom. It's truer today than it's ever been. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. That's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Y'all have a great week. Be blessed. We'll be back next weekend with more Saturday Morning Coffee. Take care. Thanks for waking up with Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk 94.5.